You're listening to The Dollop. This is a bi-weekly American history podcast. Hi, my name's Dave Anthony. Uh, each week, I read a story from American history to my friend. Oh, gosh. Gareth Reynolds, who has no idea what the topic is going to be about. You just collapsed yourself. No, I was, I was, I was uh, on a cloud in the sky, happy, and then you're... Your I've response, heard hobos shout less crazy shit. Your response was so deadening. Okay. It was savage. Okay. Like an attack on all my right, art. All right. Okay. All right. We're good. Okay. I don't know if we are good. Oh, gosh. God, do you want to look at a dude? I'll do one bottle. <laughs> people say this is funny? Not Gary Guerra. Dave, okay. Someone or something is tickling people. Is it for fun? And this is not going to become the Tickling Podcast. Okay. You are there. Queen Fakey of Made Up Town. All hail Queen Shit of Liesville. A bunch of religious virgins go to mingle. And do what? Pray. Hi, Gary. No. I see done, my friend. No. No. <laughs> Gareth, this Get is a it. podcast. Uh, I don't know. I don't have anything. It's Christmas is coming up. Maybe spend some time with your your family, your lovers. Um, spend some time in your lovers. Spend some time in your lovers. Uh, uh, you know, we we're gonna take a little break because it's the fucking holidays, and uh, you know, daddy don't work. Uh, daddy don't work during the holidays. You know, because daddy's got a kid, and uh, and you know that kid cries a lot. The hell's going on? <laughs> Um, so, uh, so, you know, I gotta be there for the boy, you know? Okay, it's still happening. Cause the goddamn tears! Okay. Let's... You know the way they fucking, the eyes? My wife begged me not to do this episode. Oh, good. Because in it, uh, we're about to bust out an accent we've never busted out before. Okay. Boston. Okay. We've done, Bo- I've done a little not Boston. Not like this. Oh, gosh. Have we done Boston? A little bit. I think from time to time there's been some sort of Boston moment. I think we've uh, done moment. a full Boston episode. No, I don't think we've gone. We haven't gone full Boston. So that'll be fun. And there's and there's actually no, like, the Boston accent is, uh, it's like a squirrel. Uh, it's, there's no, that makes no sense. In a <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to all our Boston listeners. Uh Thank you for all your support. <laughs> no, but like sometimes they do a hard R, sometimes they don't do an R, sometimes they drop it, sometimes they don't. Like there's no actual there's no no actual rules to a lot of the Boston accent words. You kinda of have to live there to nail it. That's sure. why in movies people never actually fucking nail it. That's the why in Boston it's just are like so true. Ah, he said idea. Yeah. They just uh, they go to a place for a week and they're like, Yeah, you're good enough for now. Yeah, you're okay. Um, but you know, we're going to try. That's what we do. We do stupid accents. Okay. And mine will be terrible. Oh, good. That's something to look forward to. Well, that's, that's what I do. I'm, that's what I'm known for. Okay. You're known for nailing it. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> the way you're operating the iPad with the mic right now looks like Stephen Hawking. Um, I can't feel my back. <laughs> Late 1950s. Okay. Boston, like many cities, was subjected to urban renewal at the hands of city leaders. Okay, urban renewal? Yeah. Okay. It's like gentrification. It's like, you know, getting rid of the, yeah. Sure. In the case of Boston, renewal efforts wiped out entire neighborhoods. Between 1957 and 1959, Boston's West End was bulldozed. 38 blocks full of homes where 9,000 people lived were just gone. Developers uh, bought the now cleared of poor people's homes. Literally bulldozed? Yep. Oh, wow. 
bought the now-cleared poor people's homes land for cheap and built high-rise luxury apartments. Okay, great. Everybody wins. Everybody wins. Hooray. Discarded were the working-class whites scattered. I said everybody wins. Fair enough. Luckily, the discarded working whites were scattered all over the Boston area and forced to pay higher rents, having uh, to deal with the fact that the community generations had grown up in was now obliterated. Okay. So, right. So then they then they just, those people just have to go to other places in Boston and then everyone's rents go, go up. It's just a fucked up idea. Right. The same thing happened to Boston's East End neighborhood, bulldozed, lost to Logan Airport. They were building what was being called New Boston. <laughs> okay. And the poor didn't really have a part in it. Okay. And every poor neighborhood knew that they could be next. All the urban renewal money went to the middle and upper classes. Right? So the neighborhoods. So the idea is essentially to just out like out wealth the the poor people who then won't be able to live there sort well, of. I don't know what the overall plan is. I just but know it's that... it's basically hook the rich up. Yeah, hook the rich up. The developers are coming in. They right. want to do shit. And then you go, oh, okay, well, th- we'll give you the East End. How's that? Right. Uh, so uh, the poor found their neighborhoods growing worse and worse uh, for many reasons. Housing shortages, gentrification, higher rents all came from bulldozing the West and East End. Crime rates went up. Mortgage money was harder to come by. Housing projects fell into disrepair and municipal services to poor neighborhoods all but vanished. Good. Their neighbors uh, that they had uh, neighborhoods they'd grown up in and that they cherished fell into decay. This was uh, the new Boston for the poor living through it. Destruction of community. You it's know, good. it's a good setup. It's the new Boston. It's the new Boston. Sorry, hey, everybody. It's new Boston. Sorry, everybody. Boston 2.0. For it's like you, Coke 2. For, for these guys over here, big high rises. For you, uh, I'm going to shit on your face. Uh, you guys will figure it out. You're smart. New Boston. Move. Come on. As is common when people are cast aside, populism rose against New Boston. The political rhetoric reflected it. In 1963, city councilor Gabriel Piemonte ran for mayor. Quote, We're tearing down homes without replacing housing for this same economic group. We have moved thousands of families with no thought, no interest in providing suitable housing replacements. Progress doesn't have the right to trample over human beings. <laughs> Good, luck that Good luck with that attitude. Good luck with that attitude. He lost. I, uh, not surprising. <laughs> That's surprising, because all we should do is vote against our best interests. Right. Then came Louise Day Hicks, an old school Irish Catholic and chairperson of the Boston School Committee. Okay. Hicks' father was a very respected man in South Boston, also known as Southie. Yeah. And the most wealthy uh, family man there. Okay. He would. He was the guy who loaned out money to people, like uh, not under under the table, but like as a bank. He like, oh, okay. set up a community right. bank, sort of. So it was still shady, though. They like still big, treated it like I'm as sure, shady as yeah. possible. Yeah. Don't, hey, don't tell anybody. Don't 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 don't. Sign even look. right there on the line. Don't even All look. Right? Don't even look at me. Don't, right look, don't look me in the eyes. All right. So it's going to be like a four percent. Yeah. Don't look at me. It's four percent loan. Deal. All right. Yeah. And if you don't fucking pay this, you know what happens? Do you know what? Look at me. You don't fucking pay this. You know what happens? Huh. It goes on your credit. 
Is this a bank? <laughs> uh, so Louise wrote the family name. A couple years before, the Boston chapter of the NAACP had demanded an immediate public acknowledgement of the de facto segregation in the Boston public school system. Okay. They just wanted a decent education for their black children and acknowledgement uh, that their children were worse off. So that's all they want. Fair. They just want the school board to acknowledge it's a pretty big that ask, the black though. children big are ask, worse though. off. Pretty big ask. Four of the 13 black schools in Boston had health and safety problems so horrible they were supposed to have been closed. Okay. Per pupil spending for black students was on average $100 less than white students. Right. That makes that that adds up with what you're saying. The district <clears throat> employed almost no African-American teachers or administrators, and many white teachers were hostile and racist towards black students. In Boston? Yeah. Wow. Shocked. <laughs> Boston, Massachusetts? Yeah. Oh. Well, I've been so open-minded in my yeah, experience. Yeah, I know. So, in response to... And the- if people get offended by that, there are so many, like, there oh, just no. are so many you know racist what? people. We can, have, we can have your, uh, who I consider to be your spokesman, Bill Burke, come on, and he'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> What's his joke? San Francisco, Boston's like San Francisco, except racist. Yeah. <laughs> so, in response to the NAACP, all the white school committee held a hearing, right? Okay. So, they're all white. They hold a hearing to... To figure out to respond. how what, let's let's listen to black people yeah. and what they want. So only invite white people. Right. We'll figure it out. So they thought that having a hearing would release the steam and then they wouldn't have to do anything. Like that was the plan. Right. Okay. Good. But eight hundred people came out to support the AACP. Oh, so boy. many that they had to turn almost all of them away because there wasn't enough room. Right. Then the committee <laughs> decided to do nothing. The white committee decided to do nothing. Nothing. Right. And and some of them wanted to do something, but Louise made sure that didn't happen. Okay. They said racism and segregation did not exist in the cradle of liberty. Okay. Because Bostonians are super into the whole revolution started here. Right. It's, where the, it's the fucking liberty. Yeah. We could do anything. What's that? They don't have the liberty bell there. No, but they're like, this is where the liberty yeah, they happened. The, they have the freedom trail. We've been libertying here forever. You know how yeah. long we've been libertying? Yeah. Been what? Libertying. Is that a... Yeah, that's what we do here. We liberate all over the place. Okay. I libertied last night. Mm. Up and down, liberty, liberty, liberty. The problem was, uh, the committee said, black parents... Uh, the problem is that people are upset. No, they're the saying that the black upset. parents are the reason that things are worse off in the black schools. Just, but that's saying the black kids, right? Well, they're saying that the that the black parents have raised bad black kids. That and they're not, they're, and they're not helping their kids with their education. They're not helping their kids with the education they're not allowed to provide them with. No, they're saying that the the kids' school, the black kids' schools, would be fine if the parents were better. At, at helping the kids. Helping the kids what? You help them with their homework and stuff. Oh, okay. So, you know. Okay. All right. Uh-huh. That just doesn't make much sense. A, yeah, I know. But it's also not going to go well. You right. Tell yeah, no, we're heading terrible. down a path that's not great. Yeah, no. The black parents then decided to use the courts to get equal treatment. They're okay. like, oh, we're not great. I'm going to show you how not great I am with my fucking lawyer. Okay. 
there were two citywide boycotts by black students to make their point. So two days, no black students went to school. Okay. By 1967, racial desegregation was looming, and Louise did not approve. And the people of South Boston had had enough change, right? So they've had all this shit with the fucking developments happening and they, people coming to the neighborhood. They've been through enough. They've been through enough. They're people. Louise made the argument that Boston schools being made, quote, the scapegoat, were being made, quote, the scapegoat for... Those who have failed to solve the housing, economic, and social problems of the black citizen. This is one of, got to be one of the first times, because that is what happens so much now, is that, like, you just, the the people who are the aggressors paint themselves as the victims. Yeah. And then, like, the victim, they, like, take you take the talking point away from the victims, or you at least neutralize right. it yeah. by, you know, saying you're also a victim. Yep. Look, I understand these black people are upset, but the white people have been through enough trying to deal with the black people. <laughs> you get what I'm coming from, right? Huh? The black people should understand this. You black people, you've been so unbelievably terrible to deal with that the white people, we're the ah, we think of what we shall overcome. We shall overcome. Louise said. The Chinese schools in Chinatown were 100% Chinese. The North End schools were almost all Italian. And the South Boston schools were Irish Catholic. And, quote, we do not have segregation in the Boston schools. I can't even imagine. she doesn't know what the word means because she just said that. Oh, yeah. She just said we don't have segregation. Right. They're all segregated. But then we don't got the uh, segregation. Well, look, she's look, she's. She hasn't had time to focus on other things. Her people have been through enough. Thank you. Yeah. She ran for mayor against current mayor John Collins and his urban renewal policies. It was a populist people's campaign. Louise, quote, what the people wanted was to be heard by a city hall, but they found that the mayor belonged to big business and special interests. Busing was the main topic, and she ran on the slogan. So this is her campaign slogan. You ready? Uh Uh-huh. You know where I stand. Oh, God. (laughs) Ridiculous. You know what I'm doing over here. You know where I stand. By the way, that is not like... Well, look, it's code for... Yeah. No blacks. No blacks. Let's keep things the same. You know where I stand. Let's not have any change here. Yeah. We're going to do everything good. You know what I'm going to do? I was going to call my campaign Winky Wink, but I went with uh, You Know Where I Stand. I also just don't understand the idea that, like, how you, like, how you feel like it's normal to just have no racial integration of any, like, how that is, how you see that as a benefit. Like, the... Well, I think it's true. What? So, so you're okay. So, take a place like South Boston. So, you're living there. The only contact you have with, because they they're not these people aren't really going to work in the city, or if they are, no, Southies is very much. But they're not. So they're not really. They're not really having that. So the only time they're they're seeing black people is like a bus driver coming through or. When their schools play the other school and then they fight afterwards, like. But that's that's the that so. So they're so they're so isolated that they don't see the benefit. Why would I want to? Why would I want to know anybody else? 
Right, but that is the reason why the schools are always a good thing to start integration because then kids are sort of like, oh, I didn't even know my best friend was Chinese. Like, right. instead of the grown-ups who are hold on to that sort of yeah racism just like, because they like haven't my, seen it before. My kid goes to school, it's like a half Korean, half Korean, I would say. And uh, and so to him growing up, it's just like, yeah, there's a bunch of Korean people. It's all, this is what it is. I, but you can tell the, there's a lot of Korean parents who are like, okay, yeah, just go. We, yeah, you're not part of my world. Like the, there, there's, there's quite a few that are absolutely fine, but there's definitely a segment of them like, our kids are in an all Korean class. They're not going to hang out with you kids. We're not going to talk to you. Right. Like, yeah, it's very it's very interesting. So they go to Korean Garden? They mm. go to, uh, there is a special Korean language program, and they don't teach their kids English growing up, so they will have to go into the English, in the Korean language program, which is all Korean. That's, that's it's, an interesting, it's an interesting time we live in. <laughs> Be fun to see how this all shakes out. <laughs> I can tell you what happens. All the all the all the white kids, uh, boys, get uh, Asian fetishes, and then they start dating them, and then the fathers want to kill them. Wait, what? Eventually, because the Korean kids aren't going to have any problem with it, but even though they're trying to keep their kids isolated at school, they can't. And then those kids are going to start dating, and they're going to start dating white kids, and then the whole fucking thing will come apart. Yeah, well, that's what we need. Right. We just need one. We just need to keep, like, we just need to keep mixing it up. Hopefully, we'll all just turn out one color it's, in like two hundred years. It's mixing up two hundred years. Like, there'll be Earth anyway. Yeah. Have fun, Earth. Dave. Good luck. Okay, so back to this. So, uh, so you know where I stand. It's code that she believed the things uh, that they believed in. Code against uh, the tide of change. The business community and moderates were terrified by what she represented. They all came together and backed new and up-and-coming uh, mayor uh, candidate Kevin White. <laughs> and, yeah. So, it's, wait. White's the non-racist? So, okay. White's the White's the guy we're against. Yeah. He's, white power. White, white power. <laughs> no, 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 no. Do not chant that. No. Do not chant that no, no, here. No, no, sir. Come on. Uh, white is right. White is right. No, no, no do not. No, gentlemen, no, gentlemen, gentlemen, no, gentlemen, gentlemen, no. gentlemen. And the wealthy and better people, as they considered themselves, uh, had no problem going after Louise. Boston author George Higgins described her, quote, stubby and overweight, middle-aged with a fussy hairdo and at least a double chin. See, this is the thing. Well, this is where, yeah. This is the thing that you can't if you're like, do not judge people based on their appearance. You short, double chinned weirdo. (laughs) You can't be against blacks, you little stubby fat fuck. You should not join. You should not just suddenly decide that someone does not belong to school based on their appearance. Otherwise, you'd be in troll college, you little bridge sprite. (laughs) Let me guess. You want a handful of children's teeth or something. So I can cross your moat. (laughs) Louise's campaign was such a big deal that she made it onto the cover of Newsweek magazine in an article that mocked her to the point of savagery. It was titled Backlash in Boston. She was portrayed as a crude, popular monster, and Newsweek took pleasure in ripping her apart. Quote, her Boston is the immigrant Boston of Irish cops and firemen, saloon keepers and cab drivers. Longshoreman and small time businessman. Can I, okay, can I take a little guess? Because mm-hmm. this is very, like when, when Time Magazine just named Trump Person of the oh, Year, what? 
It was you're like, okay, I get it. Your your angle is to like the the whole thing is that it's always been like who is the biggest deal of the year, yeah, not which who's is the true. best person of the he year. Is the biggest deal, of but the, year. the problem is that it's titled person of the year. It's not titled main focus of the year. <laughs> So he's able to spin that into, I'm the best person of the year. Time said that. It's unbelievable. I'm the best. Right. But Hitler was the person of the year in 43 or whatever. Like, See, they just can't. It's, it's maybe time to tweak the rules. I get it. But this is the same thing. It's when it's when you bring you put the spotlight on someone to be like, isn't this person stupid? And then you're like, oh, God, we're stupid. And everyone now knows of this person. Well, Newsweek said her supporters looked like characters out of Moon Mullins. Moon Mullins is a comic strip about lowbrow characters who lived in a boarding house and loved Vice. Okay. The writer called her followers, quote, a comic strip gallery, gallery of triplers and brawlers. This guy, this per you can't, uh, yeah, this is foolish. And after Hicks gave a speech, they, uns quote, unscrewed their cigar butts from their chins and lined up to pump her arm as if it were a jack handle under a trailer truck. Um, I mean, I'm a little lost. <laughs> Newsweek uh, was being the exact kind of snobby, superior, classist bullshit. That Basket fueled, of deplorables. That's right. That fueled Louise's candidacy. She attacked the magazine for its, quote, insults to Boston and its residents, declaring, quote, I am proud of my heritage. And my chins. Now. Edward, Senator Edward Kennedy also backed White for mayor. The powers of the day thought White could bridge the divide between business and the poor working white class neighborhoods. And White won by 12,000 votes. They're like 300,000 people. So it was a pretty close uh -huh. race. And he tried to bridge the gap. He stopped the rampant destruction of houses and gave locals a voice. He tried to put an end to racial tensions with his Summer Thing Neighborhood Program. Summer Thing Neighborhood Program? It's like a program? music art sort of thing, where the, but then people from all neighborhoods come together for the festival. That's it's a the terrible idea. name. Yeah, it's not great. I bet it's at the hat shell. It's still happening, though. Okay. Uh, he spent over $500 million on neighborhood improvements, and it seemed to be working. Then came the recession of 1974. Oh, boy. And as the money stopped pouring in, came the desegregation decision of the courts. With no power to speak of, middle-class blacks in Boston had been focusing uh, on the schools for a while and had turned to the state legislature and the courts. Their belief was simple. Pat Jones, a black community activist, said, quote, If the rain drips into the school library and they are, there are only blacks sitting in that library, then nothing is going to change. If white kids are sitting in the library... Things are going to change, and the roof is going to get fixed. Okay, that's absolutely true. True. <laughs> At, uh, 100% true. Next. Next point. In 1965, the legislature passed the Racial Imbalance Initiative, which said that schools with more than 50% minorities were imbalanced and would not get state funding. So, so now just sort of starting to turn the clock back on what the progress they've... No, they're saying right now any, any school that doesn't have 50% minorities... Oh, so that doesn't? Doesn't, yeah. Sorry. Uh, the Boston School Committee fought it in all kinds of ways. At one point, reclassifying 670 Chinese students as white. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Wait. but Because the Chinese are better than the blacks in their mind. Yeah, but does we'll that... take the okay. We'll take the goddamn Chinese. Okay, right. Okay, all right. So put Chinese over here. Put Chinese over there. Uh, the more I look at uh, the diff, the more I look at the black kids. They look very uh, color wise. Very Asian kid, 
Oh. He looks a little. Whitey, white guy. You know. Especially that kid that dyed his hair blonde. I mean, that, well, that kid is ridiculous. He's a, he's he's almost Caucasian. Yeah, he's like in a boy band. He's an Asian white. They're yeah, Caucasian. Tr- tremendous. So she called tremendous him. child. And that's where Caucasian came from. The state then denied Boston fifty-two million dollars in school funding for what? <laughs> we did everything. <laughs> we made the Chinese white. What do you want from us? Damn. God. We're not making the blacks white, I'll tell you that right now. God. That's not on the agenda. I knew if that white guy got into office, we'd be screwed. The school committees responded, and the school committee responded by pushing demonstrations and fighting in the courts. So their response is to get have people hit the streets right. and then fight back with lawyers. Finally, the NAACP stepped in and charged the Boston School Committee with violating the 14th Amendment. Federal Judge Arthur Garrity agreed. He ordered that the school committee come up with a plan by September 1974, and the committee refused. Hmm. Yeah, that's a weird... Is that an option? It's not actually an option. Right. Yeah. Judge Garrity then put the schools in federal receivership and imposed his own solution. So he's taken over the schools. Now the federal government's running the schools. Okay. Phase one of his plan focused on the two poorest schools in Boston, all white, Irish South Boston High, and nearly all-black Roxbury High. Okay. Kids would be bused from six different public housing projects to the two schools. Okay. Right? So they're taking black kids and putting them in South Boston. They're taking white kids and putting them in Roxbury. Surely this will be how smooth. Could it not, how this could will it be not smooth. go well? All that's going to happen is there's going to be a little bit of grumbling, blah, 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 blah. And well, normally like, All right, if, let's get to learning. Normally, if... if, uh, if uh, a person who's prejudiced meets the person they're prejudiced against. They learn right away that it's right away, wrong. especially yeah. when especially when you force them into a room. To right, get right, yeah. This will go fine. Southie had the highest levels of concentrated white poverty in the United States and an adult male unemployment rate of forty percent. Pretty, pretty, pretty That's high. Good. Well, the good the pretty good thing high. about that is there's a lot of dudes hanging around doing nothing. That's good. That's angry always, dudes. Always important. Looking for work, poor dudes. Southie led the city in drug overdoses and came in a close second to Roxbury in gun murders. Hey, all right. Something to talk about. South Boston and Roxbury High had parallel dropout rates. So this is essentially like a foreign exchange program, but with races. Well, what should happen is that look how much we have in common. You shoot guys. I shoot guys. The white parents in Southie were enraged. Over what? Because the judge lived in better off Wellesley. And there was no busing going on there. That's amazing. Louise had several demonstrations. Anti-bussers formed an organization called Roar. Roar. Restore our alienated rights. Okay. A right to have white people only here. Only in Boston would they start and end their acronym with the one letter they have trouble pronouncing. (laughs) Roar. Sorry, how do you spell it? Roar. R-A-W. Roar. 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 Are you saying raw? Raw. Raw. Like the lion. Raw. Like meat? Like the king of the... Raw. <laughs> Are you saying like more? Raw. Okay. You know the lion goes out there? Raw. <laughs> I don't... I feel weird. Dude, you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> Fuck you. Fuck you. You're fucking wicked stupid. Jesus Christ. To get in, members had to pledge. Okay. Are you ready for the pledge? Nope. 
I will not pledge allegiance to the court order of the United States or the dictatorship for which it stands, one law, one nation, under guarantee with liberty and justice for none. This is Roar. Yeah, that's, Roar's that's, pledge that's is their, the, pledge. their pledge that they will not identify America until it recognizes whites as number one. Or dictatorship. Right. In Boston, political leaders empowered the working class by rewarding them politically uh, for loyalty. The city's working class believed in pragmatic politics and making deals. That's how it was done. So the people of South Boston figured if they protested, they would force another solution through a deal. Okay. Because that's the way things are done. That's yeah, what the power of protest. Right. They almost looked, it almost looked to them like fixing a traffic ticket, right? You know, right. you get fucking the guy over there to come over, you do a thing, you talk about some stuff, and then they're like, no blacks. Right. The anger from the outside manipulation of their lives was bubbling over. The economy was in the shitter. Shipyards were closing. Defense-related industries were paring down after the Vietnam War. Southie had the highest average number of families on welfare in the city. They were at the end of their rope, and then along came something they could physically fight against. Now, South Boston's a peninsula into the harbor. The Charles River separates Charlestown from downtown, and so these are totally isolated communities, proud, hostile to outsiders, and too poor to send their kids to private schools. The high schools with their... Like, Southie's kind of scary if you're white. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's a little bit different now, I think. But yeah, I think there are, back then it's scary if you're... yeah, Totally. There, it's, well, it's, even a when I went to, it's, a, it's a fucking old school neighborhood. Like, you, 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 if you come through, they're like, who the fuck's this guy? But they, like, even when I was, when I went to school there, one of my best friends still lives in Revere. Which is uh-huh. this, you know, there are just these, like, and it rem- it's very, like, reminds me very much of, like, England in the sense yeah. that, you know, if you went out drunk, there's a good chance you'll fight somebody. Yeah. Like, and that oh, was sure. the same in, in, like, Revere and Southeast, the same, where you're oh, just, yeah. you don't want to, you know, you just don't want to fuck around. Right. Yeah. Keep no, to yourself a little bit. No, you know how to fight growing up in Southie. Yeah. Like, you, there's yes. no other. Yeah. Uh, so, uh <clears throat> So their isolated communities are proud. Uh, they're too poor to send their kids to other schools. The high schools and their sport teams were like the, one of the focal points of the community. So they're very tribal. They sang, Southie is my hometown. You know, they're uh-huh. like that kind of right. shit. The White Knights. Uh, so bringing in black kids and sending their own kids out of the village to go to school was a major threat to their way. Judge Garrity uh, was another elitist attacking their way of life. And the Boston... The South Boston State Senator William Bulger said Garrity, quote, the sensitivity of a chainsaw and the foresight of a mackerel. And an, that's that's just fucking a classic Boston. It's a he's reach. fucking loud and he's fish-like. It's a reach. It's, you know. He's loud and fish-like. Well, I'm sure when he said that, everyone nodded their head. And that's right. Mackerels don't fucking see shit down the line. And loud and blind. In an interview, one Southie resident warned what was coming. We may be guilty, but we will fight you. We might go out in the back here and fight, and I might tear your eyes out. It's wrong, maybe, but we'll stand by our actions. Okay. That's a very Southie sort of... It's a weird oh, he's mantra. Saying, yeah, but he's saying we'll fucking... We'll do... We'll, hey, we'll kill you. I'm going to do some fucking damage. We will kill you. It might be wrong, but I'm going to be okay with it. Our motto is we might kill you. Several days before busing went into effect, well-known Southie crime boss Whitey Bulger set an elementary school on fire in Judge Wesley's neighborhood. Okay. Right? So, so that's how he Judge gets back. Garrity's- He's like, see? 
Now you don't have a school neither. Well, basically, those kids had to go to be bused somewhere else while they were fixing the school. So when you're busing these kids, are you? Is it almost just like you're just randomly picking like however many kids, and they're just getting bused That's into right. this other school? So they go through the school roster and they pick a certain this amount of girls, this amount of boys. This color, that color, and then they send them to another school. It's pretty. We- that's pretty weird in general. It is it's pretty like, weird. It's 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 a strange force. It just it doesn't seem like it's going to go well. Well, I, I'm going to agree with you on this one. Yeah. Three days before schools were to open, a group of moderates organized a meeting at City Hall Plaza. It was an attempt to maybe take the air out of everyone talking about violence. Okay. Right? Let people fucking blow off some steam and then maybe it'll all work itself out. Sure. Senator Edward Kennedy was invited to address the crowd at one point. So no one knows he's there. And some guy's like, hey, you want to fucking stand up and say some words? Uh, okay. People were surprised to see him and everyone knew he supported busing. 8,000 people jeered and booed him. They sang songs and people yelled out, quote, you're a disgrace to the Irish. Why don't you let them shoot you like they shot your brothers? Now uh, that is going uh, far too far. You don't put, why don't you put your one-legged son on the bus to Roxbury? All right, that's a, my boy, that is unbelievable. His son had lost his leg a year before to cancer. Yeah. You know, the, the, yeah. (laughs) Well, look. That's. Go to a Boston sporting event. <laughs> like they, there, it's it's not nothing's off limits. I remember the Jason Kidd when he was there, and they were shouting "wife beater" like literally yeah. every time he touched the ball. Yeah, they're amazing. His son had just lost his leg to cancer. These were the people who had supported Kennedy for years, and now most of them turned their backs on him and started singing songs, while others threw tomatoes and eggs at him. Kennedy was hustled off the platform. A newspaper reported, quote, he was rushed by an ang- by angry mothers who stepped in front of him with clenched fists. You will not be throwing any more tomatoes at Ted Kennedy. You're not taking Tommy away from me. One woman kicked him in the shins while others started hitting him. Wait, these are women against Kennedy? Yeah. <laughs> you know that this is like a fetish for him. Uh, will you uh, kick me in my balls harder, ma'am? <laughs> It's uh, one of the only ways I can uh, be sexual oh, anymore. Oh, God, bussing, bussing, bussing. Uh, oh, there we go. There you go. Knee me, in, knee me in my stomach and then let me sniff your foot. He was hustled out and the doors were closed behind him, but the doors were glass and the people immediately shattered them. Then they went outside and threw eggs at the federal building next, next door. Did they all just go a, shopping? Kennedy, they fucking brought eggs in case someone like Kennedy came. <laughs> wow, they were fucking prepared. Worst case scenario, we make the world's biggest omelet. <laughs> this, this obviously did not bode well for the first, first day of school. Right. Oh, right. How's that going to go? The next day, September 12th, 80 schools open in Boston. Only one had problems. South Boston High. Okay. It was a hot September morning. The old building sits on top of a hill. But that day, it looked different. As, quote, everyone should own a nigger and no niggers in South Boston and kill niggers was spray painted on the walls. Mm. Uh, It's not a good start. (sighs) Outside, a crowd of several hundred people had gathered across the street. They held signs that included "Bussin' Back to Africa" oh. and "French Fried Niggers for Sale." The "Bussin' Back to Africa" just shows a total lack of geographical grasp. <laughs> it's, not, it's not an aquatic vehicle. 
Reporters had gathered and a police official told them, quote, make sure you leave a little passageway for the kids who might have the balls to show today. Jeez, the cops. Well, where are the cops from? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm not surprised. When the first buses appeared, the crowd went into a, quote, frenzy. You're being treated like a scab for your race. Right. Interesting. Several hundred people chanted, here we go, Southie. Okay. Mm. That's terrifying. Mm. Because of the people it's coming from, it's terrifying. Yeah. Because, again, you know what that means. Yeah. You know where we stand. <laughs> well, it's also a fucking, we're going to go get them. Here yeah. we go, Southie. Like, no, it's a sporting event. Yeah. Yeah. And then they started throwing rocks, followed by chunks of wood, beer cans, and beer bottles. They also threw bananas and pieces of watermelon at the bus. Now, these are kids. Uh, It's just like... The cops made a line, clubs out, and moved toward the crowd to try to disperse them, which worked, but the crowd would just immediately reform elsewhere and start throwing things again. A Swedish reporter was there, and she said, quote, it's just They're like- trying to make the kids eat fruit salad. <laughs> Happy bananas. Yeah. It's just like Belfast. The women look the same, talk the same, and seem to be just as tough. Anytime there's trouble, you see them egging the kids on. So, the, the, sorry, that is in relation- A Swedish reporter is saying that what she's seeing in Southie is exactly like what she's seeing in war-torn Belfast. Ah. Uh. The street battle went on all day. By the end of the day, the cops had riot helmets on when they fought to get the kids back on the bus. One bus had a window. How was school, hon? (laughs) Well, you're covered in banana. What happened? Uh, weird. I got... You excited for tomorrow? I want to die. You excited to go back tomorrow? I... I... Try this forced experiment again? Yes. Because you lost the lottery? This is great for kids. Send you back into the devil's den? One bus had a window shattered by a rock, glass-cut children, the driver, and a monitor. Attendance on day one of the 1974 school year at South Boston High out of 1,300 students. Mm-hmm. 124. That's how many showed up the first day? 56 blacks and 68 whites. I got to say, if you're a black kid, that's not love terrible. the numbers. Yeah, that, that's not terrible. Way better for... That's... Yeah. Yeah. Granted, the rationale is awful. Well, getting there is not great. But at least then you're like, look, worst case scenario, it's almost like one-to-one. Yeah, it's one-to-one in here. Worst case. And they're white. The mayor and his aides were said to be in shock by the response of the neighborhood. Well, he was dying of AIDS. No one knew the sense of rage that had been building in Southie. Student Regina Williams had never been there. Quote, I had no idea what to expect of this busing thing. I didn't know anything about South Boston. I didn't know anything about... You know, that they didn't like us. I didn't know anything that was in store for us. But when we got there, it was like a war zone. That's even more terrifying. Yeah. I'm sure most of them had no fucking idea what they're getting. They're just like <laughs> getting crazy. on a bus. They don't know what it is. I came back and I told my mom, and I'll never forget. I said, Ma, I'm not going back to that school unless I have a gun. At 14 years old, I'm not going back to that school. And she didn't. She dropped out of school the next day. Wow. On the second day of school, there was a mob of 500 outside. Now the mob was adjusting to police tactics and advancing and retreating while throwing missiles. Uh, throwing missiles? Well, missiles are what they call rocks or whatever. Oh, okay. Well, they should be more clear. On day three, the police brought We're out- throwing grenades! <laughs> apples. <laughs> throwing apples. Apples, sorry. My bad. 
Landmines! Frisbees. On day three, the police brought out the TPF, the Tactical Police Force. Okay. That was a special unit that it had been formed to deal with anti-war press protesters during Vietnam. Okay, so that's good that it's paralleling that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so on and on this went. The crowd would attack, disband, and then run through the streets and reform. A brick hit Detective Francis Creamer, who fell to the pavement, hitting his head, and he went into cardiac arrest, and he died three weeks later. 100 kids rushed the Andrew Square subway station and just beat random blacks. So it's spreading out a little bit. Good. Normal behavior. The TPF rushed into the uh, subway station swinging nightsticks at the kids. The kids ran off. Very tactical. (laughs) Very tactical, precise maneuvering. (laughs) Take out your clubs and hit them! Hit the fuckers! A brick hit a cab driver as he drove past a housing project. By day three, South Boston women were wearing football and hockey helmets in the street. Come on. That's crazy. One woman told the reporter, quote, In America, the voices of the people are supposed to be heard. The black people are being heard, but we're not. We want our kids to go to our schools. They say the schools belong to everybody. We're part of everybody. That is so, like, that, it, it's, it's so hard <laughs> when you hear, like, a point like that, and it's confident. <laughs> because you're like, oh, my God. I have to like argue against log like logic like you're not buying into logic. Well, here's the hard thing. So they're right about getting backed into a corner, but they've picked the wrong battle of all the battles. But you can't like So they've been fucked over I, by the city I, and then now there's one This is the problem with 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 when you're fighting against wealth is that at the end of the day, the only thing you can punch is another poor person. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, <laughs> the, the like, what's so vexing about the world we live in is that we have, like, we're literally talking about, like, you know, 2,000 people who are ruining the fucking world. Like, we no, know, rich we know the area where they are. Do Let's just you- go there and just <laughs> fucking kick the fence down. <laughs> And go ape shit on him. And then be like, yeah, this is uh, Ted. He's going to be the president for a week while we figure stuff out. Hey, Ted. Hey, how you doing? Hey, man. Hey, you guys. I was just down at the bar. He's great. I think we're all going to love him. Um, like I said, every congressman and senator died in the explosion. So it's a page one rewrite. Another woman said, quote, we just want our children close to home. You'd think this was Russia. Now that I will give, now that I will say, as a parent, if someone came to me and said your kid has to go to school far away, totally. it's a bummer. It's if a your bummer. kid is one of the kids who is going into like a completely different racial environment, it's terrifying. That is that that is like the flaw. That's why it's like you know, it's like an arranged marriage. It's like you can't force this sort of acceptance. The idea behind it, like the thrust behind it, is is good. Because you're like, well, problem, let's let's show people how not different we actually right, are. But the problem is, is that they made their bed because they own the school district and they they controlled it and they didn't do anything. So now yeah. they're getting the repercussions of that and they're fucking mad at it. Yeah. No, you. I I think you do. Like you can empathize with. But again, it's like when you're like when someone is saying. You know, this is about equal rights. Well, where are my rights? It's like, no, you're yeah, not. not. These not. are no. no. 
Mm-mm. In South Boston, a couple of nights later, the TPF just flat out brawled with a mob of about 500. Tactically. Who were trying to break into the school. Well, Stab them with swords! We tactically hit them over the head with these sticks that we got here. We're shooting them in a spread fashion. Tactically. The Saudi violence emboldened the other neighborhoods because that's how violence works. On the fifth day, black students in uh, Mattapan, I can't believe they made it to a fifth day. Oh, dude. Threw rocks at the integrated Boston Technical High School soccer team during practice. So black students are now throwing students rocks at white students. <laughs> and fights were happening in uh, schools. Students fighting at Hyde Park High. It was so bad in the first week that police called the, in the TPF. So they called the cops into the school because right. they couldn't handle the fighting. Uh, we think we should just start hitting them with wood. Yeah, we're yeah, the yeah. tactical squad. Yeah, get the guys in here then. Yeah. Uh, four students were hospitalized. The headmaster closed the school for two days. Shots were fired through the door of Jamaica Plain High School. Buses were stoned in Roxbury, Mattapan, and Dorchester. In Dorchester, a group of black guys slashed two white students with knives. Two white guys assaulted a black MBTA driver. So it's just a bus driver that yeah. they just attacked. So it's spreading citywide now. And that's how it went for a couple of weeks. Stoning, stabbings, fightings. And then on October 4th, the anti-busing forces held another rally with politicians speaking. And the neighborhood politicians did what they could do to calm the tensions. I'm sure. The wor- words will probably be the answer to this. State Senator William Bolger. Okay. Quote, This is no time for the faint of heart. The enemy can go straight to hell. Wait, who's he pro? <laughs> he's, he's an anti-busing guy. So who's the enemy? The enemy are the busing people? Yeah, people are bringing the, bu- the buses in. It feels like when they say enemy, they're not, they're talking about, okay. <laughs> Someone asked him if there was a chance of success, and he said, quote, you bet your life there isn't. There's no chance of success. You're going against the courts. You have right. no chance of success. Right. So the politicians are lying. The politicians have been saying for years, we're going to stop the busing, and now the busing's happening, so they're trying to say, they're trying to keep their fucking jobs and their power. By saying we're gonna fucking get the busing out, right? They can't say that's it for that. Yeah, L- Louise told the crowd they were fighting for freedom. Freedom. Always. The police were mostly Irish, and their union had donated money to the anti-busing cause. Good. But when they were called upon, they held their ground. It didn't take long for them to get tired of the towny bullshit. Quote. After the third or fourth rock comes flying, you tend to forget the righteousness of the cause. <laughs> Soon the police were laying into the crowds with everything they had. The actions of the cops, particularly the TPF, made the people angrier. Everything is snowballing. Ugh. There was a well-known bar in Southie called the Rabbit Inn, a local hangout for an Irish gang known as the Mullins, and right across the street from a housing project. There were rumors that the Mullins were going to commit major acts of violence with guns and dynamite. And the police knew the Rabbit Inn was a place where anonymous calls kept being made that would lure police into areas uh, where objects would be thrown at them. Okay. So on Friday the 4th, when a police cruiser had its windshield smashed by a brick near the Rabbit Inn, the cops tried to arrest the guy. But 35 Mullin gang members came out of the bar and fought with the police until they let the guy go. Wow. The next night, the TPF, with black tape over their badge numbers, and dressed in riot gear, 
raided the bar. Oh, wow. The top, the cops tore the place apart and quote busted heads. Okay. Did you get his badge number? I could. There was a. He's a, a black stripe oh, guy. What a, what a badge number! I don't even know if we can find this. He's the black stripe guy. Uh, it was fucking Frankie. Uh, he lives down by my ma. Uh, it's Frank. I know it's fucking. Jesus Christ! We went to a fucking school together. Why you not do that? <laughs> that worked out well. It's weird that the heater doesn't work as a an ottoman. Ottoman. Strange. Two nights later, a crowd loitered around the projects across the street, protesting the raid. That's when, completely oblivious to everything, Jean-Louis André Yvonne drove past. He was a Haitian refugee. Oh, God. The crowd stopped and surrounded the car, smashed the windows, dragged him out, and beat him with hockey sticks. Oh, Jesus. News cameras recorded it. Two cops tried to rush in to save him, but they were also beaten back. One of the cops pulled out his gun and fired over the crowd's head, and they finally ran off, and Yvonne was saved. The next day, after watching it on the news, blacks retaliated. English High was a new, mostly black school near Fenway Park. White students were being bussed in. Someone pulled a fire alarm, and the students emptied out into the streets and started a race war. All right, first one to that tree wins. <laughs> no, that's not that's not the, that's not the war we're doing. Oh, you're like you know how you're white. Yeah, yeah I'm punching you now in the face. Oh, uh, it's not the same. One thing. race to the tree. I'm gonna punch you in the stomach. Ow. The blacks from nearby housing projects started throwing rocks at passing cars uh, that whites were driving. Whites were dragged from their, dragged from their cars and beaten. Rioters threw objects from the tops of buildings at police cars. One guy reported they were throwing baseball bats. About 1,500 students walked up Tremont Street, smashing windows and throwing rocks. The fighting went on in the area uh, for another day. Okay. Tremont. On October 10th, <laughs> genius president Gerald Ford stuck in his, his nose in and said, quote, um, I respectfully disagree with the judge's order. <laughs> Wait, he disagrees with the order? Busing. He's, wow. He just he just said in the middle of rioting wow. that he agrees with the white people who are fucking attacking buses and the, did he it's, it's almost like like a city is How does he not know not to say that? A city is literally coming apart and the best thing you can do is like we got to work this out. Let's figure out how to do it. You don't take a fucking side. Yeah. And not and, and the wrong side. <laughs> Right, well, it fired up the anti-bussers and gave them hope that the busing would stop. Yeah. They're like, I oh, look, the president's on a fucking side. Let's go get him. Oh, God. Mayor White said the president was challenging the rule of law in the country because that's, that's what he was, he was doing. Because he was, right. After four weeks, there are 149 arrests and 129 injuries, property damage of $50,000, and one cop who died of a heart attack. The mayor then asked Judge Garrity for federal marshals to be sent in. He said hysteria was leading to more hysteria. And like everything else, when the anti-busing people heard about his requests, they got even angrier. Oh, God. (laughs) I thought they were at, like, the height of anger already. (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, God. State Rep. Ray Flynn responded, quote, Force will beget force. The people of South Boston have a proud tradition. They don't like to be pushed around by police or federal marshals either. I like, I love the, like, okay, sure. The tradition is that they don't like to listen to law. The tradition also seems to be that they don't want black people around them. That does seem to be an issue. 
We are, we've just been racist for so long and we're celebrating our anniversary right now. It's just the timing of all this is way off. It's fucked up because I've been hating blacks for like 30 years and I'm supposed to stop now. Yeah, it's not a good time for me to not be racist anymore. After all that, the judge rejected the mayor's request for federal marshals. So the mayor asked the governor who gave 300 state troopers and 100 cops for the Metro Metro District. Okay. On October 10th, state troopers were patrolling the halls of South Boston High School. That was when actually when the riots moved into the high schools. There was an endless stream of brawls between whites and blacks in South Boston and Hyde Park high schools. On October 15th, there were two separate fights at Hyde Park. One started with some black girls attacking a, a white girl in a bathroom. A white student, Joseph Crowley, rushed in to help, and he was stabbed in the stomach. The entire school was now in a race brawl, and the entire 125 TPF squad entered the school to stop it. Let's uh, all run in different directions and scream. Go! And, and we'll stop fucking hitting guys in the face with our stick things. Tactically. Outside the school, the police arrested Joseph Crowley's sister for throwing rocks at a bus. Okay. I love that her brother stabbed, and she's like, fuck you, you fuckers. You're under arrest for being upset about your brother. The school was closed by the headmaster for two days. On what grounds? I don't know. I just didn't Snow? Want, they didn't want kids to Snow learn. Snow day? Yeah. It's a, we're taking a racist day. <laughs> hey, uh, so no school for two days because of racism. Okay. The governor then mobilized 400 National Guardsmen. He asked the federal troops, uh, for federal troops for President Ford, who said no. The 400 National Guardsmen seemed to stop the fighting in the schools, and by the end of October, the FBI had 42 open files of civil rights violations. But something else was happening. Black parents were reporting their kids were bringing home textbooks for the first time. Previously, they had not because there weren't enough for each student, and now there was enough textbooks to go around. More equipment, too. At Roxbury High, quote, they've got an... They've got equipment there coming out of their cars. I know the science teacher there, and he's tried for years to get a microscope, just one lousy microscope. Suddenly, he's got 125. Yeah, as soon as they started sending white kids over to the black schools, they started funding the black schools. Right. (laughs) It's so fucking gross. The state troopers uh, left on December 4th, as that was the length of time that was agreed they'd be there. Starting that day... Until December 10th, South Boston High was one of continuous brawls inside while cops fought protesters outside. On the 6th, they closed the school early when white students marched through the halls chanting racist chants. Cool. On the 9th, a black girl hit a white girl on the head with a padlock. Black students said they left uh, for home on buses. uh, They said that when they left for home, so when they get on the buses at the end of the day, Southie mothers waved bananas and jumped up and down like they were monkeys. Oh. Those are fucking adult. Those are like 35-year-old. Yeah. Not, not shocking. On December 11th, as Anybody t- who had a fruit stand was like, hey, business is booming around here. I can't believe how many I'll fucking- I'll tell you what. This new busing program has done wonders for my fruit cart. I saw like, I saw like 80 watermelons this week. <laughs> those, are eight, those are two bucks a pound. On December 11th, as students switched classes, which was when the brawls usually start because they're all in the fucking hallway. Right. James White, a black student, stabbed Michael Faith, a white student. As Faith crumpled to the ground in a puddle of blood, panic ensued. 
White students fled the school. As they did, the picketers heard what happened and a huge mob swelled outside. This is not going to end well. The crowd thought Faith was dead and they wanted vengeance. Okay. Why do you think this isn't going to end well? I'm sure someone's going to talk this to is, you. This is such a tipping point moment. Uh, like, this is, this is the... This is the butane on the fire. This is when this is when everything comes together and they hold hands and they sing a song. Everyone, stop! We're gonna get. We've a, been highly illogical for too long. We're gonna get a circle. We're we need hold hands. To... When Frankie's gonna lead us in a song, all right? Oh no, Patrick! Patrick gonna lead us in a song, a song about love and uh, love in all colors and whatnot. I'm not gonna fucking do that. Yeah. Uh. So they think they think the kid's dead, right? All the white kids ran out of the school. Um, <clears throat> the picketers heard what happened, and they're outside. Soon there were 2,500 people screaming uh, outside the building and throwing everything they could find. Inside, they became cer- concerned they, they would not be able to get the black students out of the building. Louise, Bulger, and Flynn, the politicians, all arrived on the scene. And somehow, Louise was the voice of reason. Okay. Using a bullhorn, she addressed the protesters and said they had a right to be there, but they should let the black students leave. Okay. Quote, let the black kids be bussed back to Roxbury. That's when the crown turned on Louise and started chanting, shut up, Louise. Shut up, Louise. Could have been so much worse. (laughs) They also started singing, I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. Oh, God. <laughs> but here's the thing. I mean, it's kind of clever. It, it, uh, it, stupid the truth is, it is, it, is, it is clever. I mean, at this moment, which, they start singing, I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. I mean, that's not, it's so fucking South Boston. The argument isn't that they can be funny. <laughs> they, they, do have, they do have timing. But you like, yeah. You got to be like, all right, good. Okay, a little, was... a, a funny, a funny moment right. in this racial nightmare. Now back to work. The reporter sc- described the scene: "Quote: Cans and sticks and bricks were flying through the air like a hailstorm, and some of the cops have been hit hard. Police waded in with clubs swinging away, while mounted police rode into the crowd, trampling people." Kids slashed the tires of police cars and broke their windows. They overturned the police superintendent's car. <clears throat> Inside the building, the, a teacher saw a brick hit a cop in the head, and she started wondering if any of them were going to get out alive. At that point, they came up with a plan to bring decoy buses out front while they would hustle the black students out a side door for other waiting buses. Okay. Quote, the horsemen had to bear the brunt of it. They waded into a hailstorm of cans, broken bottles, rocks the size of fists, brickboards, and eggs, but neither the battered men or the bloodied horses broke. So the cops wade in as a distraction, get themselves in the middle of the fucking crowd right. so they can get the kids out the side door. Right. It worked. The students got out after being trapped for four hours. Uh, but it had finally gone too far. South Boston High was closed for the rest of the semester. The black community called for the school to be closed permanently. Black leader Thomas Atkins called Boston High a jungle. But I would, that's, that's actually too nice. Yeah. Jungles aren't. Like, I mean, jungles are 
There's nice. There's you know nice things there. It's fairly dangerous though. I don't feel like it's as bad. The jungle? Yeah. The jungle, you would not want to be in the jungle. I feel like you're being a little bit mean to the jungle. The jungle? Yeah, I, I feel like... I feel like You do not want to go to the any no, I'm jungle. I'm sorry, but the high school is way... I'd rather be in the jungle than in the high school. I don't think you're right. <laughs> I, think, I think 12 hours into your jungle journey, you'd go, you know what? I'll give it a whirl back in the old school. I don't know. As you like step on, as like you've been bitten by five things and eight berries that are making you throw up. Well, I don't like bugs. Is that a problem? It's a huge problem for your plan. <laughs> Since the beginning of the school year, 1,092 black students had been arrested and had been suspended or expelled compared to 550 white students. Oh, well, that tells you it. That, yeah. that black kids were twice as bad. Case closed. <laughs> Case shut and good. The local alternative newspaper noted that the people of South Boston were completely alienated from the government and their rage was all-consuming. But at the same time, Southie was a community coming together. Before the busing crisis, people expected Southie to break apart slowly uh, being overrun by progress, right? Right. Known as development. But this perceived attack reversed that trend and created a rise in ethnic pride. Residents started chanting green power as they stood at rallies or marched in parades. They wore shamrocks. Green power. Yeah, they're Irish. <laughs> okay. Uh, they had green tam shanters Irish knit sweaters, signs and bumper stickers that proclaimed God had made Irish number one. Young Irish kids were encouraged to study the origins of their race in Ireland. Ugh. They came together to revive the spirit the way, not of a old super rich history. Like, then we got a bunch of potatoes and killed each other. And then we came here. So embrace that pride. Yeah, that's right. We're big fans of uh, green leafed things, uh, little things that give you wishes and potatoes and war. Yeah, but you forgot about the rainbows. Ah, that's right. Although I like my rainbows only white. What about take pride in the people who have killed each other over a man in the sky uh, forever? I, I, I that is the other thing. The I we we have you ha people. It, we have to, and I know this is from a while ago, but it still happens. You have to stop thinking that God, the support him, believe in him, however you want to slice it. We have to stop thinking that he's picking sides in it. It's just this is not the man that, oh, so that's or the the that, deity or the being that that's that's never going away. It, but it's like he can't. No, it's never going. Away. He's not like it's not like it's never going to stop. That's why, like when they like you know like they in America they definitely politicians at times definitely insinuate like look God likes us best first and foremost. First of all, clearly God likes us because we got all this shit that's got nothing to do with geography. And we say may God continue to bless the United because He oh, just yeah. hasn't stopped blessing. He's us. been so great to us if you're white. Yeah. Um. Oh, by the way, you know they they've. There was a, a Reddit thing where someone said that what's your favorite podcast and someone posted this and a bunch of people floated it up and there was a whole like discussion on it. Mm -hmm. Down at the very bottom, some guy said, I, I I like it, man, but when they get into their fucking white guilt shit. Um, I think hey, you know what? If you don't have if you don't have white guilt listening to this podcast, you're inhuman. But I also think that, you know, it like the and again, I mean 
I, I get it. I get, I get the idea that somebody would be like, dude, stop making me feel so bad about something that I had nothing to do with. I, I, I understand that. However, the bigger point in all of it is just if, and, and I think if you, you and like, what, what choice do we have? How else are we going to react to you this? Have, you have to. Are we going to react to this like, oh man. This is fucking great. Hey. Hey, this is no big deal. I agree. No busing. Gerald Ford had it. You know, the only way you can react is to be like, what a nightmare, what monsters. And it's part of the way that you, not to say that we're going to end racism, but you have to listen to it and accept it. It is how you end it. You you understand the history of it. Yeah, and you can't, like... These people in this story we're doing right now wouldn't react the same if they had true empathy and understanding for the kids... That we're coming over. We're saying the same thing. Everybody should take mushrooms. That's what we're talking about. Thank you. Uh, ayahuasca? Listen, you know me. Huh? Ayahuasca, right? That's what it's called? That uh, is not what mushrooms are called. No, I know. No. Jesus Christ. No, listen, you, your question was... Uh, so, uh, also... And yes, ayahuasca is a great way to learn about everything. Sure. Also, people were finding their calling. <laughs> a woman explained how fighting back changed her. Quote, I'm a professional racist, finally. (laughs) I got a hold of the anger. Wow, I never knew this old lady even had this kind of anger. What a great feeling to be able to take it out on all those ridiculous decisions and fight them. We've got a lot of people joining us who've lived with this anger all their lives. This is the white anger. Yeah. (laughs) They all knew they had it in us. They just didn't know what to do with it. It's the only good thing about the busing movement. It allows me to find that anger. And brother, am I angry every minute of the day. So that's a sign that this is set, settling working. In. Well, it's a sign that it's settling in and becoming a, an accepted way of life. When people say stuff like that. Yes, right. You are now, yeah. You're now moving beyond outrage into... Full-time job. Right. Yeah. Uh, but the anger just led to violence and children not going to school. Attendance rates, while they had gone up since the beginning of the busing, were still way down. Activists in the black community saw things differently. Quote, if the whites want to keep their kids home, that's okay. Let them. Let them keep them home for 25 years so they can't get jobs. I guess that will mean more jobs for us. <laughs> so true. Meanwhile, Lieutenant Robert Bradley... Of- uh, my plan is to stay at home and get stupider. <laughs> More stupid. Both. Meanwhile, Lieutenant Robert Bradley of the TPF stood with his helmet on in a pile of broken glass with a dead cigar stub hanging out of his mouth as tow trucks took away a wrecked police cruiser. He said, quote, there's no end to it. It's just going to go on and on. (laughs) Um, You're on mic. There seemed to be no answer to the problem of Boston. So uh, this is so long. This is going to be two parts. Are we at our break? Yeah, this is this is going to be two parts because it's. 19- have we hit a? Have we hit our midpoint? Because well, nineteen seventy-five is fucking insane. So and we should we, take, we should take a break before we should. We just did nineteen seventy-four, nineteen seventy-five. So can we take? Let's end this before we get into seventy-five. Insane. Yeah, yeah, it's way too long to do. It is one episode. So let's do a full break. To be continued. Okay. Wow. <laughs> dun dun dun.
Hey there, people listening to The Dollop. Uh, this is Gareth. Yes, the same guy. I Listen, I have a new podcast called We're Here to Help that I'm doing with my friend Jake Johnson. It's basically a call and advice show where we don't say that we're professionals because we aren't, but we try to help people with problems that are important to them. You can listen to it wherever you listen to podcasts, and it is out right now. So go listen to We're Here to Help with Jake and Gareth. We're here to help with Gareth and Jake. I don't remember how we did it, but either way, fun half hour comes out Tuesday, August 22nd, and the episodes will be out every Tuesday and Friday. We're here to help. Oh, hey there, everybody. It's Gareth, you know, from this uh, this podcast. Uh, listen, I've got some stand-up shows. I'm inviting the Garmy, the Gareth Army, to join me for. I will be in Fort Collins, Colorado, August 18th and August 19th. I will be in Minneapolis, Minnesota, August 24th through August 26th at Acme. I will be going to the UK in September. Please join me. I will be in Glasgow, September 13th, London, September 15th, Dublin, September 17th, and September 19th, Manchester, Birmingham, September 20th, Bristol, September 22nd, and Cardiff, September 24th. And then in November, I'll be in Australia. November 10th, almost sold out, I think. I'll be in Melbourne, Australia. Then I will be in Northbridge, Australia on November 15th. Adelaide, November 16th. Canberra, November 17th. Brisbane, November 18th. And then I will be in uh, Sydney on November 24th. Go to GarethReynolds.com for tickets. Garmy, let's get at it after it. Let's see you there.